with me. Oh, Jesus, would you come now and teach us from your word? Lord, as you opened up the scriptures to your disciples on the first day of the week, open up our minds as well and help us to hear from you this morning. Amen. So happy Easter. He is risen. risen This morning, I'm very excited because we are starting a brand new sermon series called Resurrected Life. And starting today and for the next uh, uh, eight or seven weeks after this, we're going to be talking about how Jesus restores and renews our lives today. And speaking of renewing our lives, I've been trying to renew my life by dieting. Or trying to diet, I should say. I mean, has anyone tried to diet? How hard? Isn't dieting just so hard? It's ridiculously hard. Do you know why it's hard to diet? Because of Easter-themed peanut butter Reese's eggs. That's <laughs> just going to make my day so hard. Or maybe it's going to be caramel, fresh, nuts on Clark popcorn that my mother-in-law brought for me yesterday because she was, came in the airport. Thank you, Mom. It was wonderful. She's here this morning. I thank you for that. But it's, it makes dieting hard. You know, there have been times I wished, God, why can't you just make Chipotle burrito zero calories? It's just... I would love if God you would do that. But it's, it's so difficult, dieting so difficult, because we're fighting our body's natural inclination to decay. I mean, even if you simply do nothing, your muscles weaken, don't they? And the reality is, we cannot win this battle against our own bodies. All the dieting, all the exercise in the world, all of the medical advancements that we have today, nothing can stop the process of decay in our bodies we will all eventually perish because this process is ongoing. And I want to submit to you this morning that what's true about our bodies, about our physical lives, is true of our inward lives. It's true of what the Bible calls our souls. You see, that we have this inclination within us to go away from God, what the Bible calls sin. And sin is simply veering off the course that God has designed for humanity. And we go, when we go off that course, we're going away from the author of life and away from all, the path that leads to life in our lives today. So when we sin through all, through all kinds of things like greed or lust or envy or sloth or gluttony or harsh anger or pride, I believe our souls decay a little. They decay a little bit. And this soul decay, it can, it can manifest in all kinds of ways. It can manifest in depression or anxiety or guilt or shame or a sense of meaninglessness or purposelessness in our lives. You see, humanity, we have a problem. Both our bodies and our souls are on a trajectory of decay and death. Well, this is a really hopeful Easter sermon, Pastor. I'm glad I came this morning. Glad I came this morning. But don't worry, we'll get to the hope. But you can't understand the resurrection until you understand the cross. You can't understand the hope of new life until you understand the problem that we're in. And so we have to understand this predicament. And we usually try to solve this this problem that we have in three ways. And the first way is this. We try harder. We try harder. We read the right books. We find the right teacher. we, We set some New Year's resolutions. How are those going, by the way? You know, we try everything we can to change. But the reality is that option gets exhausting. Because it's extremely difficult. And it leads us to what we usually end up turning to instead is, number two, we give up. We give up trying. We stop hoping. 
We stop believing, we start saying to ourselves that what my current reality is, that's what it's always going to be. And as Henry David Thoreau said, we begin to live lives of quiet desperation. That's what giving up does. So then what do we do? Then number three, we try to numb the pain. We try to numb the pain. We turn to relationships, we turn to work, we turn to substance abuse, we turn to social media escape, or binging on your favorite Netflix show, and we distract ourselves until we die. And it doesn't work out too well. None of these solutions are adequate to solve the human problem of our souls. But for Christians, especially today, especially on Easter Sunday, we believe there is good news for everybody. We believe that Jesus has overcome death and he has overcome all that junk in our lives so that we can live a new resurrected life. And we can also have the promise of eternal life with him and abundant joy and peace forever. Here's the main thing I want to get across to you this morning. The risen Jesus renews us for a resurrected life. The risen Jesus, the Jesus who's still alive today, he renews us for a resurrected life. Both now, what I mean by resurrected life, I mean both now he can renew your life today and he will give you resurrected life forever. So when we say he is risen, it's the declaration that the God of life is still alive and his power is available to change your life from the inside out. So no matter where you are, no matter what you currently believe, the fact is that millions of people all over the world are testifying to the fact that Jesus is alive and he's changing their life still. And so because of that, it's worth exploring, well, how is that and why is that? I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Romans 6. And we're going to look at what a, one of the early leaders, uh, early Christian leaders said about what Jesus' resurrection means for us. What does Jesus' resurrection mean for us today? And so he's writing to a group of Christians in Rome, explaining what this whole day is about and how, what does it matter for their life now. And we're going to start in verse 3. Let's see what the Apostle Paul, is his name who wrote it, let's see what he said. He said, Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Amen. So the question I want to answer for all of, this, all of us this morning is, what does Jesus' resurrection mean for us? What does it mean for you today? And I want to give you a few things based off this passage of Scripture that we just read. And the first is this. We, because of Jesus' resurrection, we can have a brand new start. 
Because of Jesus' resurrection, we can have a brand new start. And this is what Paul is saying when he says Christians are baptized into Jesus' death. You see, the early Christians, they believed that becoming a follower of Jesus was kind of like undergoing your own death so that you could be born again to a whole new life. And Jesus himself taught this. Look on the screen. These are some words that Jesus taught his disciples. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Do you know what trying to save your life looks like? Trying to grasp onto your life in the midst of all that decay? It looks like trying harder, numbing the pain, and giving up. That's what it is. We're trying, we're trying to do everything we can to somehow get enjoyment out of this life, to follow our own desires, to save our lives, to grasp onto it, to, and then we end up living lives of quiet desperation. But then Jesus says you have to turn that thinking all the way around. You have to do the exact same journey he did. You take up your cross. You die to yourself. You lose yourself for Jesus' sake so that you can start over. You can build a new life. You can build on a whole new foundation. You can be born again. A brand new start in Jesus Christ. And so when Jesus died, he took on all of that, all of that sin, all that decay, all the junk of the world upon himself. And all of it was killed. It was destroyed. And so Christians believe that when you unite yourself to Jesus, that what happens in his death gets applied to all the junk in your life. And this is why baptism is such an important Christian symbol. You know, when the, when the disciples were baptized, you know, you're, you're lowered into the water, and it's kind of like you're being buried into the ground. And all that junk, all the junk in your life, all the sin, all the guilt and shame, it gets buried, it's destroyed, and then you're raised to a whole new life with Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what happens when you become a follower of Jesus. You get a brand new start in life. And no one needed a new start more than the Apostle Paul who wrote these words. You know, the Apostle Paul, he thought that he was living the right way. But he thought that followers of Jesus were absolutely crazy and that they were dangerous. So he began to persecute them. And he began to help them get killed. But then... The risen Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, met him on a road. And he spoke to, to Paul, or called Saul, and he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And at that moment, Paul realized everything in his life up to that point, he was going the wrong direction. He was living for the wrong thing. And Jesus came to him and awakened his understanding. And then he realized he needed to make a U-turn. He needed a brand new start. He needed God to forgive all that stuff in his past so that he could live for him. And then you know what God did? God used him to bring this good news to the world. And then you wrote much of the New Testament. Perhaps you're here today and you realize, you know what? I need a new start. I need, I need something fresh. I need to start over. I need to build again. And no matter how far you're gone, no matter how much sin you've had, no matter how much guilt you feel, you can always start over with Jesus Christ. He will always take you back. You can have a brand new start. Because the risen Jesus renews us for a resurrected life. So when you start over, well, well then what happens? If you start over, then, then what, where does that lead you? Well, this is my second thing, second point this morning. Because of Jesus' resurrection, we can live a new life of freedom. 
Because of Jesus' resurrection, we can live a new life of freedom. Verse 4, Just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have a new life. So what does a Christian new life look like? I want to submit to you, it's a life that's experiencing more and more freedom to choose the path of life, to choose the things of God, things that lead to life and joy and peace, and to say no to all of that stuff that holds us back and brings decay in our lives, to all the sin. Perhaps nothing is harder in life than changing ourselves, than reforming our own choices, than reforming our attitudes and our behavior. But my friends, until we change, we won't experience the life that God has designed us to live. Look at verse 6 and 7. Paul says, We know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin, it might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. And just as Angela showed us this morning, we are, we are set free. The handcuffs are off. The chains are gone. You can live a new life because of Jesus' resurrection. Simply put, Christianity is about life transformation. Just as Jesus was raised from the dead, so too we can live a renewed life here, here and now. So Easter tells us that Jesus is alive, and yes, he's still changing lives today. And my friends, I will testify to that fact. There have been times in my life where I thought, you know, I was bound by feelings of guilt and shame. But I took all those feelings, I took them to Jesus, and I tell you what, he set me free. There were times in my life where, where I, was, I was bound by a people-pleasing mentality. Where I just wanted to, to be liked and to, to have all, to people say all kinds of nice things about me. But I have to tell you, Jesus set me free from that too. Because when we do those things, we, we are led away from the path of God. And Jesus can set us free. You know, when I first, uh, early on in my Christian life, I used to have a sense of deep greed in my heart. In fact, before I wanted to become a pastor, I was going to be a pharmacist. Now, nothing against pharmacists if you're in the room. <laughs> nothing against your profession. But the problem was my human heart. I wanted to be rich. I wanted to have all kinds of nice things. But then Jesus showed me that my desire was so empty. And if I kept following that path, I'm going to have a life of quiet desperation and death. And he set me free from the desire for greed. You know, I'm not promising you today that anything in your life is going to be easy, that everything's going to be free of pain or free of struggles. That's certainly not the case. And God knows I still have a long way to go. But I am telling you this, that when you give your life to Jesus, you are giving at, you're, you're opening yourself up to his living power in your life and that he can progressively set you free from everything that holds you back from him everything that holds you back from life. To sum up this point, listen to this quote from Nicholas Nash, a Catholic theologian. He says, Easter would hardly have been, for 2,000 years, the spring and center of Christian life and prayer would hardly have provided the focus of Christian worship in the form of Christian hope if the word Easter were simply something that once happened in the past. You see, the risen Jesus renews us for a resurrected life today. And it's still happening all over the world. So, well, you might say, well, you know, that's great. That's great, Nate. But, you know, you just said that our bodies are on this trajectory of decay. And I, I know I'm going to pass away someday. So what about, what about then? What about the afterlife? 
Well, I say the good news goes all the way there too. And this is number three this morning. Because of Jesus' resurrection, we have the hope of eternal life with God. Because of Jesus' resurrection, because he is raised, we have the hope of eternal life. Verse 8 in our text. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. You know, many people wonder, well, what does happen after we die, or after our friends or our family die? You know, have you ever considered why humans across all time, all cultures, have always pondered the afterlife? I mean, if this is simply all there is, if, if, there's, if there's no God, why would there be some sense that there's something more? And I believe it's because God has put the longing for eternity, for life in every human heart, that we might reach out and seek Him. And Jesus, being raised from the dead, He has proven to us that there is life beyond the grave. Now, I say that and you might be skeptical. You might, you might still have questions, you might still be searching that out. But I, I just want to give you a couple things this morning to think about. There is really good evidence to believe that Jesus was raised. And I'm just going to give you a couple. One, one is this. If you know anything about the Jewish religion and Judaism, they are what's called a monotheistic religion. And their primary, the first two of the Ten Commandments, this is their primary commandments, they say there is, there is one God, you shall have no other gods before me. And do not worship any idols. In essence, do not worship anything but God alone, especially not a human being. That would, be, that would shatter a Jewish person's worldview. There, there is absolutely no way a Jewish person 2,000 years ago would say, oh yes, a human being could be God. Unless something happened, something so devastating to their worldview, something so shocking and real and powerful that they changed their worldview like this. My friends, that's only possible if it really happened. And not only did they change their worldview overnight, they began to proclaim it and teach it to others. And when they started doing that, they were persecuted. Many of them were tortured. The tradition has it that the, the apostles, many of them were martyred and killed for their faith. I mean, who would do that for a lie? I mean, think about your own life. If you were on death row for something that you knew wasn't true, and you simply could get out of it by telling the truth, wouldn't you immediately say, no, that's not true, get me out of here? Self-preservation is one of the strongest forces in human life. I mean, this has been uh, talked about before. Some of you may be familiar with that, the old Watergate scandal in, uh, in Nixon's time. And uh, the, all these men were covering up and lying about all these things. And one of his closest advisors, Charles Col Colson, he became a Christian after all this. And then listen to what he says. It's on the screen. He says, I know the resurrection is a fact, and Watergate proved it to me. How? Because 12 men testified that they had seen Jesus raised from the dead. Then they proclaimed that truth for 40 years, never once denying it. Everyone was beaten, tortured, stoned, and put in prison. They would not have endured it, that if it weren't true. Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world, and they couldn't keep alive for three weeks. You're telling me 12 apostles could keep alive for 40 years? Absolutely impossible. See, we've seen this over and over again, you know, the Lance Armstrong saga, all these things. You can't keep up a lie for that long, especially under the threat of persecution, death, and torture. And for a Jewish person to have their worldview completely shattered and changed and say, there is a man and he is God, and I will give my life for that, that can only happen, I believe, unless it truly happened. That Jesus was raised, that the tomb was empty. And the disciples, they could do all this because they knew 
that there was hope of eternal life. They knew that Jesus had said that whoever believes in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life, so they could freely be martyred for their faith because they had the hope of eternal life. You know, many of you look at these flowers that are up here. If you don't know the tradition behind this, many, many people have uh, purchased these flowers and given them in memory of loved ones who have gone. And what a perfect symbol of new life, that there is hope beyond the grave, that death is not the final word, that new life, that resurrection can happen for all of us when you believe and trust in Jesus Christ. That is the good news. The risen Jesus, he renews us for a resurrected life. So what do we have to do? What do we have to do to experience this new life? I want to give you two suggestions. Number one, you got, you got to form a new mindset. you got to form a new mindset. Paul says in verse 11, In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. You know, I've had some friends get married recently, and I've had the privilege of officiating three weddings this year, including Miss Bethany and Jose over there. That was great. And one of the things that I noticed that, that uh, people I know and people I've officiated weddings for, the common struggle is, how do you shift from going from a single person or just a dating person to a married person? I mean, that can be extremely difficult. You know, I mean, can you imagine if someone who's just married had the same mindset as when they were single? I mean, if, there's, if you're still, you get married, then you're going to the club on Friday, or you're, you're on Tinder or a dating website, and you're, you're scrolling, you would be like, no. You shouldn't be doing that. You're, you have a completely new status now. You can't, you can't just go home and just watch TV and ignore your wife. You, you're connected to a person. You have to change the way you think totally. And in the same way, when you become a follower of Jesus, it shifts your status. And you can say, you know what, that, that old stuff, all that stuff that, that dragged me down, it's done, it's over. I'm set free. The lock's undone. I don't have to go back to that anymore. And so you change your mindset. And if you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus, and maybe you have to go that same journey some of our, our Jewish disciples did. It's a complete worldview shift to say, yes, Jesus was risen. Now, what does that mean for me? And lastly, what we all have to do is give yourself fully or entirely to God. Give yourself entirely to God. Verse 13 in our text don't offer any part of your, uh, yourself as, to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of, right, of righteousness. Do you see that? Every part of yourself. You know, some of you, maybe you're considering Christi your Christianity, you're, you're, like, you're like a kid looking at a pool and saying, oh, that's, that's kind of nice, but... I don't really want to go in, no thank you. Or, or maybe you're kind of like a person, you're like, oh, I'm dipping my toes in, I'm getting up to my ankles, but I, I don't really want to fully go in. And some of you, you've been in the water, you've been swimming, but you've gotten tired of it, and so now you're, you're on the lounge chair next to the pool. And you're just taking it easy, and yeah, I can appreciate church and religion, but that Jesus stuff, I don't want to be all in. My friends, have you ever seen a kid jump into a pool with a cannonball and just jump right in and say, yes, the water is amazing. That is what we have to do with Jesus Christ. We have to jump fully in, offer ourselves entirely to God so that we can experience the resurrected life that he has designed us to live. That's all we have to do. It's a free gift. You can jump right in. That's all it requires is just jumping right in. 
fully in, offering yourself to God. So where are you at today? Perhaps you're here this morning and you need a brand new start. There's, there's, you just know that you, you, you've been going the wrong direction. There's death and decay in your life and you need to make a U-turn back to God. You need to find your way back. May I tell you this morning, let Jesus do that. Let him in. Would you start over? Would you experience that brand new start? Or maybe you're here this morning and you just need to be set free from something. There's something holding you back, whether it's a, it's a sin or a mindset or something emotional, and you need Jesus to completely set you free. Would you let Jesus in? Would you let him set you free and change your whole life? Or maybe you're here this morning and you're fearful of death or you're wondering what does happen after I die. And what I tell you this morning, would you put your trust in Jesus Christ so that you can have the hope of eternal life forever? I'll say it as plainly as I can. The hope that we have for life now, the hope that we have for life after, is in Jesus Christ alone. And he expects all of us to, at some point in our lives, make a decision to say, yes, Jesus, I will follow you. I will give my life to you. That's as plain as I can say it. That's what's required. It's a free gift, but we all have to make that decision. Would you let Jesus in? Would you let him renew your life from the inside out today? Please pray with me. Oh, Jesus, we thank you for how you work in our lives. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here who needs new hope, new life, that they would choose today to make a step towards you, that they would choose to go perhaps all in, maybe they choose to get back in. Lord, I pray for all those who've been following you, who, who believe in you, but for whatever reason, they're, they're not all in right now. God, they're on the side of the pool. Holy Spirit, would you come and show them the new life that you have for them? God, would you awaken every heart this morning to see that you are the risen Lord? And would we all make the steps we need to make to come to you? God, clear every path, clear every heart. Save us today because you're our risen Savior. Amen. Friends, it's a special day we get to celebrate communion together. The gospel, the gospels tell us that on the first day of the week, the day our Lord rose from the dead, he appeared to some of his disciples, and yes, he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. It's true for us today as well. As we break this bread and drink this cup, Jesus, the risen Jesus, is made known to us, and we experience his presence. Here are these words of institution. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and, and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us pray. O oh, Jesus Christ, our risen Savior, to you be the praise and honor and glory for giving yourself, for shedding your blood, for forgiving us all our sins, letting your body be broken so that we might have the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. Bless, O oh God, this bread which we together eat and the cup which we together drink. Let us, through this blessed bread and this blessed cup, 
become partakers of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. This is a special meal. I invite all those who are followers of Jesus, who trust in Him as Lord, to come to this table. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. We're going to be taking communion this morning by intinction. There's going to be four stations. I want to invite our servers to come forward now. And uh, there's going to be one station here, one station there, one here, and one there. And each station is aligned with a section. So if you're in this section, you go here. If you're in this section, you're here. And so on and so on. If you need gluten-free bread this morning, that's going to be available over here. If for whatever reason you're not able to come forward but would still like communion, our servers on this side, when they are done with their section, they will come bring that communion to you. Just kind of wave and flag them down. Okay? So let us take this bread and cup. Please dismiss row by row as we come forward.